This is Sarah Weymouth, and welcome to my podcast, where we talk about everything for you to live your best life. And we have a little fun too, from talking about business, marriage, parenthood, money, health, home decor, friendship, beauty, and pop culture. I'm a mother to three, a wife, a successful business owner, and I want to live my highest, best self. Follow along as we learn together, grow, teach, because you only get to live one life. Oh, and I promise to dig deeper and to ask the tough questions. This is The Line Podcast. Let's try that again. Okay, so excited to have Hannah here. Um, First of all, how was your break? We just got back. My break was great. We actually went to Lake Tahoe for two full weeks, which always sounds good in theory, but with three kids. Yeah. Days in. (laughs) Are you guys big like skiers or snowboarders? Um, our whole family skis. Okay. I wouldn't, I mean, we definitely like skiing. My husband is like very passionate about it. And we moved from the Bay Area, gosh, coming on three years ago. And um both of our boys did ski team. And it was definitely part of our lives up there. And so it's been great because we've gone back since we've moved to Nashville every year for two weeks over the holidays. And it's great because we can stay connected to all of our Bay Area friends and going with all the hard work we put in, you know, with, with all the, the tears. Yeah. (laughs) Teaching our kids to. Oh my God. Yeah. I know it's so funny because when you grow up, we're from the Bay, obviously too, and just going to Tahoe and then you come somewhere else and you're like, there's nothing comparable to Tahoe, like nothing. I mean, I don't know, maybe like Aspen or something, but I'm like, there's There's just no snow there. Like we got there and it looked like it was summer. Like it was insane. And then of course the day, I mean, they were blowing snow. So it ended up being fine. But the day that we came home, they got like a foot of fresh snow. (laughs) So we were like, Oh, perfect. Okay, good. I'm glad you got the snow. I know it's so funny. Let's tell the listeners this. We kind of had the same area events, things that we did in the Bay Area, but we never actually met until we moved here, which is so random. You, we both did bar method. My store lemon was in Lafayette. I think you guys lived in Orinda, right? Orinda, but I totally went to your store, but I never met you there. I know. It's so funny. And I think there was like some events we both went to, but I don't remember ever actually meeting you. Did you ever go to any CHG events? Yeah. Remember that gala that they would do once a year in San Francisco? I did a lemon pop-up for them one year. And I'm sure you were there, but I like, don't, you know. part of the organization for four years. So for sure, we, I'm I'm sure we were at the same place at the same time and just hadn't connected yet. And then now we moved across country and we like our kids go to the same schools and we live right next to each other. It's so wild. Yeah. I mean, you live, the fact that you live on my parents' street is so funny. I'm so crazy. I know the connections and anyways, so wild. Okay. But let's go back. Tell us your background. And I know that you owned bar method in San Francisco for a long time. Tell us about all of that. Yeah. Um, so I opened the bar method, gosh, years ago, 2008. Um, I was in medical sales and I started teaching bar method and loved it and had the opportunity to open a studio in downtown San Francisco, 
I think at the time we were like the sixth or seventh studio to open. And then we, my business partner and I had it for 10 years. And at that time we had both moved to the suburbs out of San Francisco, had multiple kids, and it was just time to, to pass the baton on. So our manager ended up purchasing it from us in 2018. Mm -hmm. And the timing of it was, um, great for us because we kind of felt like it needed some new blood in there. And then I think when we sold, there were like 130. So wow. we saw a huge change from this like small mom and pop to a really big franchise organization. So mm-hmm. that was a pretty cool experience. Um, yeah, that's I, a decade. That's a long time. Long time. I mean, we had like 40 employees. We had 85 classes a week, seven days a week. Um, I had moved to the East Bay and we were downtown. So, you know, it was a bit of a commute um, going back yeah. and forth. And I love Bar Method. I still think it's the best workout out there. I wish there was one in Nashville. Um, I was just going to say, I, th- I think it's so bizarre they don't have one. So they did actually. Our, one of our teachers moved to Nashville knowing no one and opened in like the Green Hills area. Um, yeah. And then she ended up closing it a couple of years ago, uh, which I was sad about um, (laughs) she wasn't open anymore so wild I know and then for people that don't know bar method was started in San Francisco that's their headquarters right so I guess yes that's probably part of the reason why you were one of like the first but I know it's interesting it's like completely blown up but yeah it's not in this area there's other bar classes here just not bar method which I think are great too but you know when you're like loyal and you've been trained on something and it's your your heart. Um, it's, it is different though. I think bar method is very different than the other ones. The other ones will incorporate like more like cardio type movements. Yeah. And we did some classes that, you know, were a little more cardio influenced, Yeah, uh, but I still just think it's the best out there. I mean, the fact that our teachers are so well-trained and that, you know, the instructors don't do the class with you. Our whole thing was, you know, my goal in a class of 25 was to know everyone's name and to make sure that I got everyone in the best form possible. So they were getting the most out of their workouts. And yeah. I think that's, pretty, that's a unique thing, right? That, yeah. that the teachers truly do care about making sure they're adjusting everyone verbally and like hands-on adjustments to make sure that you're saying safe and that it's effective. You know, you can go through a workout and think mm-hmm. you're doing everything right. And then you're really not getting the, the just going through the motions. Yeah. I think especially with bar, you can totally go through the movements and it could be an easy class or it could be the hardest thing you've ever done where like I do Legree now and it's, it's just hard. Like if you don't do it, you're going to fall through the machine. So <laughs> I just went to my first Legree class yesterday. <gasps> Did you love it? I did. Although I'm like, why is my neck sore? I must have been. Oh no. <laughs> it's a lot of planks. I know. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a little bit of an adjustment. It's different though. It's less stretching. And there are some things like missing for sure. We just put a bar in our um, gym here at the house. So I'm excited to kind of do like a mixture of the two. Well, I'm in a lot of bar method videos. <laughs> if you do that, are you? Oh my, I need to look them up. Okay. That's on my to-do list. Sure. They're like, I know you from somewhere. And when I bring it up and I did a lot of the prenatal classes and they're like, wait, <laughs> I worked out with I you. I watch your video every day. <laughs> That's so awesome. I love it. Okay. So 10 years of bar method, then you're moving to the East Bay and essentially starting over. How did that feel? So- 
I actually, I mean, well, we had lived in the East Bay for a couple of years while I owned the bar method. And when I sold it, I think I was at the point where, you know, we had a pretty big operation and I was like, I just want to go work for somebody else. I want to be a W2 employee. I don't want to have to deal with, you know, having, you know, estimated taxes and yeah. business and service, all the things, you know, all the things it's, yeah. it's, um, I just wanted somebody else to do that. And I wanted to show up and do, do a good job. So I actually ended up getting a job offer, um, in the commercial real estate sector, kind of doing like SBA lending type stuff, which we had an SBA loan with bar method and our, um, manager who bought us did. So I kind of had some experience and it was funny because, you know, we were talking about, okay, starting and they we have, we have 8 a.m. meetings every Monday downtown. I was like, oh, well, shoot, that's not going to work. My kids have late start on Mondays. And then it's like, we want you to focus up in Nap and Sonoma. I'm like, oh, that's going to be a long commute. So before I even officially accepted the job, I was like, this, this isn't going to work for me. I think I need to do something for myself again, just so I can have that flexibility to be able to be with my family. And I really do. I love, I loved bar method because I never felt like I was going to a job. I really loved what I did. I believed in it. I was passionate about it. Obviously there's stress owning a business, but it was so fun. And I loved everyone that worked with us. And I loved being able to give people that opportunity. So I kind of took, you know, it wasn't that much time. I think I was getting antsy of like, okay, I got, <laughs> I got to wow. do something. So I just started to look at what else I loved doing. Um, I didn't want to go back into the fitness industry. I felt like that market was becoming really saturated, mm -hmm. um, especially at the time when we opened Bar Method, there was like not a lot of competition, right? It was either yeah, classes, maybe like some private Pilates classes. I don't even think like reformer classes were that big of a thing then. Mm -hmm. And the big gyms, not a lot in between. And when we sold 10 years later, it was like, everything was out there, right? Like class pass was kind of yeah, yeah. all the different options. So I kind of felt like I wanted to go into a new, like more untapped market. And when I started looking at like what I loved doing, I even like surveyed some of my friends of like, what do you picture me doing? Like, what do you see? And they were all like, you love design and your house is so organized and you have three kids, but it always feels like you've got it all together. Your house never looks like it's bombarded with kid toys. And at the time I had like a two, four and six year old say, like they were little kids. We had all the kid toys, but I just loved being able to like find a place for them all and put it away and felt like mm -hmm. I wanted to have my house look like, you know, I could have a dinner party at any, any moment's notice. Yeah. And it wasn't like my living room was taken over, even though we did have toys in our living room, they were just neatly tucked away in labeled baskets. So I followed neat method on Instagram and I was like, okay, I actually, I, I am passionate about this. I could see doing something like this. Um, and I DM'd them and I'm not a big Instagram user. So I think it was probably the first time I ever DM'd anyone. I think I had to ask a friend how to do it or probably our, our <laughs> person at our method who did our social for us because we did it. Um, and I mean, this was what now 15 years ago, this was no, not quite that long ago. 2000, I think you said 18, right? Six years ago. Yeah. 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 So, um, I DM them just saying, hi, I see you have a location. It's a, a franchise. Also, I see you have a franchise in San Francisco. Do you have anyone in the East Bay? I live out here. I would love to do this. I heard back right away. 
and um, Lisa Ruff, who owned the whole Bay Area market, was going onto their corporate team and she was selling off her Bay Area market into three sections, the Peninsula, San Francisco, Marin, and the East Bay. And it was so funny because I talked to her and it was like, this just must be meant, this is meant to be. And then when I had a conversation with our, um, one of our co-founders, Ashley, who started the business, we hit it off right away. And she was like, wait, I used to, I know bar method. We named neat method kind of at the same time when everyone was putting method after something. So this yeah. clearly means you have to go from one method to another method, which I always laugh at because I'm such like a type A perfectionist person, but I love a method. Yeah. So it kind of was serendipitous. I think within like two weeks of DMing them, I signed a franchise agreement and wow. was kind of up and running. I mean, it was such a, an easier lift than bar method was right. It wasn't like, right. You don't have a storefront. It was you you're know, not just, building out a studio and a bathroom. And yeah, no negotiations for a lease, right. like not of a lot of employees. At the time they were just all contractors and my mom and two of my mom friends um, that our kids all went to school together worked for me. And right away they were like, I'll do this with you. I love organizing. So it just all fell into place and yeah. felt right. And I was like, I think this is the next step and we'll see how this goes. Um, and I had said to Ashley, when I first talked to her is that, you know, I had all this experience from a, from bar method growing from six studios to call it 130. Mm -hmm. uh, I just felt like there were a lot of similarities and that neat method was at a place where they were just, I think when I signed, maybe let's call it, there were 25 locations. Now there's over 100. So yeah kind of a similar trajectory. And I just, uh, you know, I, I love being part of a like female run business and doing something that people really feel like they're passionate about and love doing and um, feel like, I think it's similar in the way of, I personally like feeling like I'm making a difference in people's lives and making their life better somehow. And I definitely felt that way with, with bar method. Um, yeah. It, making them feel more confident, more fit, reaching different goals. And I feel like even though it's different, neat method gives a similar outcome, right? Where you're changing somebody's life for the better and playing an integral part in that. Oh my gosh. I love that. I really want people to hear you when you say that you didn't have any experience, you thought you'd be good at it and you just like did it. Because I think a lot of times people are like, well, I don't know. I've never, I don't have the experience or I don't have the degree or, you know, who am I to have this business or that business or this franchise? And it's like, no one really knows what they're doing until they do it. So like you said, yeah, like you said, it's like a hundred, it's like you just being able to look within like, okay, I'm good at this. I like this. I enjoy this. I'm just going to go for it. And yeah. two weeks later you signed. <laughs> Like, wow. It was, it really was that where I just loved doing that. I had no formal training in it. It wasn't like, I mean, bar method was a little different and that I had been teaching for, you know, two right. years before I opened and felt very confident about, well, I know how to do the teaching part, but I had no idea how to run On a the business. business side. Yeah. Like literally fake it till you make it. And I think that so many people get wrapped up in the, well, I don't know how to do this. And 
one, there are so many resources out there to help you figure out how to do it. And once you kind of like start talking to other people about, oh, I think I want to open a business or I think I want to do this. Mm-hmm. There's so much support. People, other entrepreneurs want to help and want to support. I've helped so many friends in different sectors and different, you know, areas. Yeah. But how to, how to open the business. And once you, once you do that, it's, it's really cool to see them take flight. So with neat method, like I had, wasn't like I had a design background. I didn't go to school for this. Um, you know, I had a, a sales background, which I do feel like mm-hmm. is almost the most important thing with both of these. Yeah. Uh, I think you can teach if someone's inter- has an interest and has a knack for something, you can teach that, right? Like I, I do, I now work for our corporate um, side of neat method and I do all of our training. And as long as someone has an interest in it, it's teachable, right? You can teach them. Yeah. Same, same with bar method. If they had, as long as they could hear a beat and had an outgoing personality and were willing to go for it, mm-hmm. I could teach them how to be a teacher. Yeah. And you can learn how to be a business owner, but I think the two parallels there really are like, you're selling a service and getting that across to clients so that they can trust you, um, I think is the most important thing. So if you're passionate about something and interested in it and feel like you're good at it, that's half the battle, right? Like everything can be figured out, but I think that that's what comes through to your clients. When I was like excited to teach bar method and excited yeah. to, you know, help somebody reach their goals and, and see them progress. And I feel the same way still with organizing. I don't organize that often, but every quarter, a whole team of new owners and existing owners and corporate team members come to my house in Nashville. And I find a neighbor and we have them volunteer to be like our test client. Yeah. And- organize their house. And I think it's just, it's one of those things that when you're excited about something, your client or potential client believes in you and believes in the process. And that's how you win them over and, um, get their business. And I I think, yeah, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, when you said like, fake it till you make it, I think (laughs) it kind of is that at first you're like, well, here we go. I think yeah, I know this is my first pantry, but yeah, I mean, it's what with, with neat method and with bar method alike, it's not like you're just thrown to the wolves, right? We do a whole, we do a training, right. we, you know, it's a, it's a six to eight week training where we go over how to run the business, how to organize, how yeah. to train your team, like all, all the different aspects of it. So when you do go to organize your first house, you've already done it before. Um, but it is, it is a l- little nerve wracking when you're like, okay, now someone's paying for this. Um, and, the expert, and here you are. Yeah, yeah, I, I, know. That. I think that is um, the nice thing with a franchise is you do have that corporate backing. You do have the training. You do have a tried and true system that you are just implementing, which is huge. But in, in any regard, if you're going to run a business, I do agree that having that sales background is so important. I have a sales background also, and I just think it builds confidence. It builds your personality. And with sales, there's always the highs and the lows, which is the same with having a business. So just being able to understand that level of grit and not taking it personally, because in sales, you're going to get the door slammed in your face and it's not personal, it's business. And it's the same thing when you run a business, you know, you might lose a client or someone might be upset about something and you have to just say, this is business, fix it, move on. It's not personal. 
Yeah. Do the right thing. And then know that sometimes like a client, it may not be the right fit and the right match and helping them figure out what is the right match, I think is also a really important part of it. Yeah. Could you tell us a little bit about what makes neat method different than some of the competitors? One thing I love is like the glass and the wood and the natural things that you guys use to organize. We all know that plastic is toxic. So that was like the one eye catching thing for me, but overall, what makes you guys special? Um, so we really were like some of the, one of the first to break into this industry in terms of organizing with a team. When, um, when our co-founders started this, there was home organizing out there. They didn't come up with with, like the concept from scratch, but oftentimes it was one person going in with the homeowner kind Mm. of going through their items together, helping them edit, and then maybe doing like some light labeling of inside of drawers. Um, and when our co-founders decided to launch this business, they were like, this is more fun to do together as a team and more efficient. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the, kind of the first differentiators was that we worked together as a team. We always send at least two people in. If we're doing a, a large house or a big move, then it could be a team of four or five that are coming in and literally like turning the place upside down and putting it back together. So that's kind of one thing that we do differently. Um, the other is our actual method. So we have meat method in, in our name because it is, it's a method. We teach the method. There's a five-step organizing process. We have um, guidelines that we go by just so that, you know, we know each home is different. It's not like at Starbucks where you make the same drink and whatever location you go to, you're, you know, yeah. You're, latte is going to be exactly the same. Every home is different and has its own nuances, but the way that we go about organizing is the same process in every space that we organize. So that's something else that's different. And then the third thing that's different is that we design and produce our own product line, which we didn't always do. This is, you know, we've only done it for the last few years. And really what we noticed was there were already a lot of organizing products out there, but there were so many that weren't what we wanted and weren't that elevated um, look and feel. And there was a big lack of sustainability. So you kind of hit the nail on the head when you started talking about that. That's something that's really important to us. Um, We go through lots of different prototypes. We try to stay on trend, but also be classic at the same time. So we want all of our product line to be able to mix and match. And we first launched with just like hangers and a really simple, like very minimal selection of products. And now I think we have like coming on 200 different SKUs and are continuing to grow. So that was a whole new part of our business. Again, that like, we didn't know how to do that. Like totally. But it was out of like a need, because like you said, you're looking for these things that are aesthetically pleasing, that fit your style, et cetera. And you couldn't find it necessarily. Yeah. Um, And we also wanted to differentiate as more competition came into the marketplace, as you know, like, Mm -hmm. especially with COVID, it was like, there was a big push. People were like, wait, this home organizing is a thing. I can bring someone in that can do this for me, there were a lot of relocations going on. A lot of people that were converting spaces in their home from a guest room to an office and cleaning kids rooms. There was just a lot of movement. Homeschooling. I'm just kidding. Totally. I mean, we had to in California. Yeah. (laughs) Did a lot of 
okay, let's convert the playroom into a classroom. And how do we make um, a lot of those? So there was just a big shift in the way that people started to value the like every square inch of their home, right? Because yeah. they well, also life. I feel like we all got trapped in our home, and then all of a sudden you're noticing things that you never noticed before because you're on the go, you're in traffic, you're at the office, you're at school, whatever. And all of a sudden you're home, and you're like, "Wait a second, none of this is organized. Why do I have all this extra junk? Why is there space like this? You know, it's interesting." Yeah. Um, so there was just a lot more awareness in the industry. And it was great that when that kind of started to, to ramp up, we had launched our product line. And now we have four different lines of products, all the intertwine. You can use everything in different spaces. My home is, I'd say, 99% neat method products. There's like a few things that we don't make that are kind of in the docket um, that I have bought from somewhere else. But that's part of our training as we walk everyone through my house and show them, look, this can be used in every single nook and cranny, which is yeah. pretty cool we're able to accomplish that. Now, there are some things we've been kind of creative creative with and we're working on like, okay, how do we make this better? So it's, you know, whenever we design a product, we want it to be multifunctional. So it's not just a one, one use case scenario. We want it to be able to be used for multiple different spaces in the home um, mm-hmm. and work with our That's other with our other line. Um, and so we use as many like sustainable products as we can, renewable resources. We try to use, you know, instead of just plain plastics, it's recycled plastics for hangers. And um, we use a lot of acacia wood because that's a quick growing wood, um, things like that, that glass when we can. We do have um, an acrylic. Sometimes like glass canisters aren't going to work with kids. Yeah. Using canisters for kids. Yeah. So what we use isn't just like a typical plastic. It is like, you know, it's BPA free. It's, um, you know, out of recycled material. We, we really do put a big effort into that so that, um, you know, we're being as environmentally friendly and conscious as possible and really trying to create, I think a big thing with what we do is creating a system where people are less wasteful. So you're investing upfront, but by being able to see like, here's the crackers that I have, here's the, you know, my baking, here's my, you know, you can see through and you can see your flour and your sugar so that you're not buying what you don't need. And also like through the process, help people realize like, why do you have this? This is expired. You're never going to use this. Don't buy this again. Yeah. (laughs) I know. I think I agree. I think a lot of organizing is actually taking inventory. Like when you organize your closet and you're like, why do I have 20 white tank tops? Like, I don't need 20 of them, you know, or like some of them are old. Let's throw them away. They're discolored or whatever. So I think that a lot of it is just seeing what you have and it's very eye-opening. Yep. I was going to ask you when you do, when let's say someone wants to start organizing today and they really feel like the whole house needs it. Is there a system of where to start? I would think like the garage don't do in winter because it's two degrees outside and who wants to be in the garage, right? But is there a system outside of that? Yeah. So we always say there's a couple things. One, start small. The worst thing someone can do is say, I'm going to organize my whole house. And then they start going into like all different areas and you like throw the place inside out and then you feel overwhelmed and then you feel like you're left with more of a mess than you started with. Yeah. We like to say, start small, like pick a small space, pick a drawer, pick your junk drawer in your kitchen, which we like to call a 
multi-purpose drawer. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, is a junk drawer a bad thing? Okay. <laughs> um, so just pick something small so that you can start with the process and kind of feel comfortable with it and starting somewhere where you don't feel like you have sentimental things. Mm. Like the worst place to start is like, you know, keepsakes where you're going through and you're like, oh, my mom, my grandma gave this to me and she's passed away and I feel so yeah. bad getting rid of it. Or my mom's going to know that I got rid of this and she gave this to me and then I'm going to feel bad about it. So like, don't start with photos and, you know, like memories. I think that gets harder to do because you get caught up in it taking more time. Mm-hmm. Um, but starting with something small, like yeah. under your kitchen sink, that's yeah. an easy one, Yeah, right? Like you're not emotionally connected to your cleaning products likely. Exactly. So, yeah. Something like that where it's like yeah. one drawer, one cabinet that feels like it's something that you have a high touch point with and it's going to make a difference in the efficiency of your life. So those are two things like a mudroom closet, um, a yeah. linen closet, a like under a kitchen sink, under your bathroom sink, yeah. a junk drawer, something like that where it's one small space. Yeah. You can do it in like a portion of the day. And our, our method truly is the first step is to take every single thing out of that space mm-hmm. so it's under your kitchen sink. It's not like one thing. And you put that back. If you use it, it's you lay out a towel, a blanket, a sheet on the floor, you take everything out. And then you start to see everything you had kind of like that. Oh my gosh. I have, why do I have 15 black sweaters? Right, like, right, right seen better days. And then well, you're like, also, I feel like you have to remove everything so you can clean the space. hundred percent. You're not putting stuff. You got to wipe it all down. Like, yeah. 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 So taking everything out, giving it like a quick vacuum, a wipe down so that when you're putting whatever back in, it's back into a clean space. And mm-hmm. what's surprising is the space stays so much cleaner when you have it organized Yes, <laughs> because you're not just like leaving stuff in the way back, you know, it's so true. Back. Well, and then everything has a place. Like we organized a lot when we moved into our new house, the pantries organized all that. And now when the groceries come home, we know the chips go here. The tea goes in these cute little containers, like whatever. And everything just goes in its spot and then you're done instead of just like throwing it in there. Totally. And then your family's able to help. Like once you have a system in place, it's not just on one person in the family to always know where everything goes. And it's then people true. don't have the excuse of, well, I don't know where that goes. Like my whole family of five knows where everything goes. So yeah, be an excuse. And I mean, we do believe in labeling. Um, I wouldn't say you have to label everything. Some things yeah. like we don't always label. If you have something that's like out on the countertop, like, no, you don't need to label like, it. Yeah. There's definitely overkill in the labeling department. Or, you know, if you have something that's all the same, if they're, you know, you don't need four of the same exact label. Right. But it definitely helps maintain the system so that you know what's needed. Yeah. What you're of, you buy to replenish and then anyone in your household or who's helping in your house can help put those things back where they belong. Yeah. So I have like on our very, very top shelf, it's like the bulk extra stuff, like dry beans, like faba beans, black beans, all that. And it looks really pretty in these like glass jars. So I labeled it on the back and I literally just stuck what they are inside of the container because I'm like, I don't want to stare at a little sign that says black beans. Like we probably know what it is, but there are some stuff where you're like, 
is this lentil or is it, you know, it's yeah. or is this like rice flour or regular yes. flour? Well, that kind of stuff for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's totally like, sometimes we label on the front. Sometimes it's a label underneath. Sometimes there's, um, we also have like done QR codes with, so then you can you like scan the QR code. Cause I mean, it gives you like the nutritional info, right? Yeah. Or just like, how do I cook the, how do I cook the lentils? How do I, yeah. (laughs) What do I do with this? People need that. Or I've also heard people will put like the expiration date, which is so smart. That's something I didn't do. I wish I did do because some of this bulk stuff, I'm like, at some point, does it go bad? Like, I have no idea. Yeah. Same with spices, right? If you like, when you do it all at once in our spice, we have label packets that are pre printed labels with, everything we could have thought of. Um, obviously it's not all there. So we also make labels. We use like a brother label maker, mm-hmm. um, but our spice labels have like, they come with a little sticker that you can put on the bottom of the spice jars where you can write in the expiration. expiration. Date. Oh, I love that. Well, I don't know who needs to hear this, but makeup expires. I just learned this last year and yeah. I clean. Yeah. I had no idea. Cause I'm not a big makeup person. So I have like eyeshadow and like random stuff that like I use like once in a blue moon and um, I had a makeup artist on the podcast and she's like, oh no, you need to throw everything away. And I was like, what? So like literally 75% of my makeup bag went in the garbage. And I'm like, oh, I'm glad I learned that. Which I think ties to this whole concept. Yeah. If you don't buy more than you need and everything has a place, then you shouldn't be in that situation where totally. you're having to throw things away. When I think we hold on to stuff that we don't even realize, like, why did I have fake eyelashes from six years ago. Like I don't, who wears fake eyelashes anymore that like you glue on your eye, you know, unless you have like a photo shoot or something, you know? Yeah. It's not an everyday occurrence. Yeah. I was like, why do I have this? Like threw it away. I'm like, this is so funny. Okay. So I want to run through the house a little bit and maybe you give us a little tidbits for each location. If someone wants to start from scratch or they want to do a little bit on their own. So kitchen pantry, what would be a little advice? Um, so again, like I said, I think starting small, picking your high touch points and, um, areas that you're accessing frequently, I think are, are great to start with. If you're like ready to dive in and do the whole space, I think the kitchen primarily so important to think about zones. So setting yourself up for efficiency and putting things in places that make sense so that you're saving yourself time. So, um, For instance, like looking at the sink, obviously sink and dishwasher, having your everyday things near your dishwasher so that you're not unloading your glasses you use every day and like schlepping them across the kitchen. Yeah. Um, that just doesn't make sense for unloading your dishwasher. So making sure that you are putting your everyday utensils, your everyday glassware and your everyday dishes near the dishwasher. So when you have it open, you can easily put everything away. So that's kind of like first and foremost, I think most important, cause that's what your highest touch point would be. Yeah. Um, and then kind of like working away from there. So if you're not a big baker and you don't cook a lot, then don't take prime real estate up with those things. Like tuck the baking stuff farther away. If you do bake and cook a lot, then obviously you want to have those things accessible. So just sort of thinking through what your lifestyle is and what you use most frequently and putting those, and we call it prime real estate areas, the areas that are easiest to get to and to access in your kitchen. 
Um, yeah. Like, you know, in a pantry, for instance, and there's all different, like some, some pantries are a, a cabinet and that's an apartment in New York and that's all there's room for. So oh, yeah. that needs to be really well curated with, these are the things that I use most frequently and that I want to have at an arm's reach. Um, some are a bigger cabinet, some are a walk-in pantry, some are like a room, right? There's all different things in between. Um, but just knowing that whatever's at like eye level and arm's reach is what you want to have that you use most frequently. And it's so funny that, you know, we've gone into so many houses and people are, you know, it's like, what's your, we ask, what's your daily routine? For getting ready in the morning, what do you eat the most of? Like, are you coffee drinkers? And some people are like, yeah, no, we don't even really drink coffee, but why is that on my countertop? Or why do I have the toaster out on my counter? And I don't even, we don't even make toast or it's, we make smoothies every day. And my smoothie equipment is in four different places. And I've got to get that out from all these four different locations. And then we realize, sounds like you need a smoothie station and let's dedicate a cabinet to that. So it's really easy for you to get everything that you need out in the morning and then put everything back away. Um, and that's one of our big, our, our other biggest tip is like, try to get everything off your countertop that you can. Obviously there'll be a few things, but having a home for everything. So yeah that you're prioritizing those spaces, um, even if they're things you use every day, but it just feels so much better to like put that toaster yeah. cabinet and not see the toaster crumbs on your countertop. 100%. What about walk-in closets or closets in general? I feel like that's the biggest headache for people. Um, so I love talking about closets because I feel like moving from the Bay area, you know, a one story, small ranch home. Yes. To that's what we have. <laughs> obviously get a lot more bang for your buck here in sure. spaces. You know, my husband and I shared a, we had a fifties rancher house. Like we had literally a closet that the doors pulled open. I had one side, he had another side that yeah. was enough for either of us. My dresses were in my daughter's room. My husband's suits yes. were in my son's room. Our, we didn't even have a mudroom. We had like a little mud makeshift mudroom in our garage and our laundry room was in the garage. Like you get it. It was just, yeah. a, d just different. And I think it was really great for me to be able to see a different perspective of different types of storage potential in homes and where you had to be more creative. Um, so in California, we definitely didn't have a walk-in closet. So I really had to be resourceful with, okay, where else can I put things? Like, obviously some of it had to go in other kids' rooms, but those were things that I wasn't using every day. So it wouldn't have made sense if I was like, had my day-to-day -day stuff in my daughter's room. Like I wasn't wearing dresses all the time. So those again were things that I wasn't using often that could go somewhere else so that we were making the most of our space um, that we did have. Um, and kind of the same applies for a walk-in closet. So where you walk into, you always want to make the space shoppable, right? So if it's a walk-in closet, everything should be facing towards you. So you feel like you're able to see everything that you have and you're trying to make things, um, grouped together by category. So if everything's all jumbled up, you don't even know what you have. Like you could have clothes with tags on them that you forgot you even had something because it's mixed yeah. in with something else. So by creating sections within whatever size space you have, whether it's a small reach-in closet or a huge walk-in closet, 
you could end up in the same scenario if you don't have things categorized, um, regardless of the space. So I would just say like using your space wisely and prioritizing your things that you wear on a daily basis in spaces that are easiest to see and easiest to access and then working your way away from that. I also think it's great to do like shifting of things. Um, when you have more space and there are seasons, you probably don't need to rotate things in and out. But if you have less space, then, you know, bring your bathing suits into a drawer for the summer and then the way, uh... put them, you know, in baskets that are higher up or then you bring your winter scarves down or putting baskets with, mm -hmm. you know, my I have my swimwear in two baskets, like swimwear and cover-ups. And then I bring those on a lower shelf in the summer. And then I have winter scarves and accessories on a higher shelf. And then they're the same baskets. So I just swap them out when the seasons change. Yeah. And that's literally all it takes. And it makes things more efficient because I can't reach the top shelf. So instead of having to bring a little step stool over, I can just get what I need. Yeah. So smart. What about the garage? Garage. Um, so I'm a huge fan. I think the biggest thing you can do for your garage is installing slat wall. So like the, um, and we did it in our own garage. My husband is, he's not here, not the handiest. Yeah. Um, and we were able to do it ourselves. Like literally screwed the slat wall into the drywall, um, used a stud finder. We were, he was, he's that advanced. Um, and then you have, there's like all the different hooks. I think the biggest thing is getting stuff up off the floor and again, grouping things together. So we have like kids sports stuff on one wall. We have all of like our tennis and pickleball stuff on one wall. My husband's a big cyclist. So all of his bike stuff's on one wall, mm -hmm. just kind of like grouping things. All my gardening stuff is together so that you can find what you need quickly. Um, a big thing of what, what our goal is as organizers is to save our clients time and to ultimately save them money because they're not overbuying and they're able to find what they need when they need it. Yeah. Do you feel like part of the issue for us is our addiction to getting stuff? Like, do people just have too much stuff? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I think so. And I think the process of going through our method really makes you realize that you don't need that much stuff and that you're not using so much of your stuff, right? It's just, it's there and I think the ideal scenario if someone's moving is for us to come in and edit prior to their move. Yes. So many times people are like, I've moved this multiple times. <laughs> it's going to fit me one day. It's going to be back in style. My kids are going to be back into this. Oh my gosh. I'm yeah. this again. And like, that doesn't feel good having that like hang over you the like one day maybe I'll use this. Yeah. Um, when we go through the editing process, we try to donate, consign, sell as much as we can. Um, yeah. so that we're not just like our last resort is throwing things away. I mean, that really is like, this is beyond repair. This is yeah. so well loved. Garbage. Yeah. It's garbage. Um, but we really try to be, you know, as conscious as we can. So we're not just tossing everything and we really are, you know, trying to upcycle when we can. Yeah. I know. I feel like same as you, we lived in a rancher, a uh, sixties rancher in California. And I remember I had all like my college sweatshirts. It was like the, you know, Greek life I was in or whatever. And one day my husband's like, why don't we just put this all in a bin? 
and I'll put it in the garage. You don't have to throw it away, but you don't have to stare at it. You're not going to wear it. And I'm like, I'm not going to wear it. And so it's literally been in a bin somewhere for years now. And I saved it, but I don't have to stare at it in my closet, which was driving me insane. In the bin. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like some stuff it's like, okay, you want to keep it. Like I literally have an old school juicy set and it's just plain black, but I'm like, I'm not going to throw it away. Cause it's going to come back in style one day, or I might just want to have it. So that's in the bin too. And it's gone. Cause I'm not going to put it on every day. I love that. And we do say to people that are like, Oh, I don't know if I want to keep this or not. Then it's like, great. Have a, have a questions bin, keep that questions bin, go through it every season or twice a year. Do you still want any of this, this yeah. stuff? And yeah. then you're able to like pare it down. Totally. Or we all keep like the first iPod or something we've ever had. And it's like, okay, why do we keep this? Like, that's what I need to do. I need to get rid of that kind of stuff. Don't keep the boxes and don't keep, don't the, keep the boxes. Yes. So many boxes and manuals where it's like, you don't need the box. It's not going to like, at and is not going to want your box when you trade in totally. your <laughs> phone. It's almost and, like a security, like just in case, but for I what know. reason? I know. Um, and every manual, like you can find online. Like that's True. a no brainer. Like when you move, you get all that you've moved, all the packets of stuff. Yeah. Like you can, you can find it all. You I mean, the, it. yeah, the best thing we ever did was when we moved from California here, we got rid of almost everything. We sold everything we donated. And then we came with one pod and that was it. And it was the best thing I've ever done. One, because so many of that stuff wouldn't have worked here. Like we said, the homes are bigger here. The walls are bigger a lot of the, dec- I even brought a little bit of decor and it's still sitting in my cabinet where I'm like, this is not going to work on this wall. <laughs> like, I don't know why I'm keeping it. Yeah. So yeah, if you're moving, it's like, like you said, purge it all first. I love that. We did the same thing. It's actually funny that the, um, the family that bought our house in Arenda, we knew, um, and they had been to our house before and she knew that I owned a neat method. And she's like, I'll just buy all your organizing stuff. They bought tons of our furniture. Yeah. I think we left like our flour and sugar and chocolate chips, like in the labeled yeah. <laughs> with everything. And she's like, this was the best. I just moved right in oh, and honey. I knew here's where kids medicine goes. And here's where my baking oh goes. My God. That was a dream. Whoever bought that house, like amazing. <laughs> That's- it was fun to be able to, to have that work. Cause I also knew that, you know, everything probably wasn't going to work in my new space. So it felt great that it was like customized right. for there. Plus it's like, are you going to spend $5,000, $10,000 to move that stuff when you could just buy it for $25 here? You know, it's like some, some of it just doesn't make any sense, you know? Um, okay, good. Well, I want to finish with like a rapid fire. Sometimes we do this just for fun to get to know you a little bit better. Um, no pressure. So, okay. Ready? I think so. Okay. <laughs> All right. So question one, what's the last thing you cooked? I know you just got back from Tahoe, but I just got back from Tahoe. So this week I was really like feeling inspired to do bowls. So I made that the theme where instead of like, you know, doing burritos or taco night, I made it into a bowl and it was really the same ingredients, but even yeah. my kids were like, Oh, this looks different. And then the night before we did, um, like salmon and shrimp kind of like pokey bowls. Yeah. And I don't know. So do the kids like that or do they complain? No, they like it. And then they it's like, all, it. okay. Like, you know, they can make it how they want. Like you oh, they can, can decide. Yeah. Decide, but it kind of, I don't know, just same ingredients, but just sort of changed it up a little bit to make yeah. it feel fresh. You got rid of the carbs. I like it being healthy. 
<laughs> okay. What's your favorite book? Oh, well, I just finished reading The Nightingale, which was amazing. Okay. So good. I haven't heard of it. Okay. Add it to the list. Uh, do you have like a favorite guilty pleasure? Like food wise or it could be, it could be anything. It could be like reality TV, food. I don't know. Funny. I'm actually not like a big reality TV person where okay. people like talk about Bravo stuff. I'm like, I am the worst at this. I went to Bravo trivia night and I was the worst one there. You're like, I don't know anything. Yeah. But I do totally have a sweet tooth. So I would probably say that would be my guilty pleasure. Yeah. What, so what TV do you like? Like actual sitcoms, like shows? Um, more like series. So I feel mm-hmm. like, I mean, we're behind the times. We're just, we just finished watching Ted Lasso. The best. Um, we binged it in Tahoe. We were like, okay, if we watch like oh, good. a day, let's put our kids to bed at like 730 because they're wiped yeah. out. Um, and we're almost done watching Secession. So I feel yeah. like, you know, I kind of like, yeah, like that kind of stuff. Yeah like a, a series that I can get into. Yeah. I like that too. There just isn't that many anymore. They need to make more stuff. <laughs> okay. I'm going to watch the new morning show. I liked that one too. Yes. I've, I've watched that too. That's a good one. Okay. If you could have a meal with someone famous dead or alive, who would it be and why? Oh gosh. I know it's a um, tough one. Who would it be? You know, it might be my grandpa because he died when I was really young and my mom like was obsessed with him and I never really got to know him. That's sweet. That's a good answer. We'll take it. Uh, okay. Massage or facial if you had to pick one. Oh, facial. Oh, yeah. Do you, what do you the do? Facials, like the hydrofacial? What, what kind of facial is like your favorite? Well, I was doing microdermabrasion, but my skin is so sensitive that I was like, I can't see anyone for like a week after this. Oh yeah. Um, so now one of my old neighbors does, she's an esthetician. So I don't even know what she does, but it's amazing. And I think she does, she does like a hydrofacial and a peel. The best. Like I love a massage, you know, I'm definitely a massage person, but yeah. I feel like it's more for a feel good. Yeah. Um, Unless I have like a, an injury or something, but we're a facial. I'm like, this is hopefully making me. Yeah. Glow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and like, um, you know, making me look younger. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, taco or pizza? Oh, taco. Taco. Yep. Uh, what's your favorite workout? Currently, well, I should say. We kind of talked about this. I mean, as of yesterday, my new favorite workout is the the Legree class. Yeah. Um. So I'm obviously a bar bar method fan. Um. I'm not a runner. Like I would only run if I was being chased. Um. And so I love a like a group a group class. I was doing. Um. Have you heard of Form Sammy Clark? No. Uh, she's in L.A. I actually I heard about her on Molly Sims podcast. Okay. And. Um, she's super cute. I like her classes. They're like a quick 20, 30 minute that you, you know, you just like download the app. So I like supplementing those where if I don't have a lot of time, at least I feel like, you know, she has, um, free weight ones and she has like the ones with the bands and oh, nice. uh, they're like easy to do at home. She has plotties. There's like stretching, there's isolated movements, just easy that I can do in my own house. But I do love 
being in a group. So yeah. I'm definitely a group fitness person. And I feel like I'm just more motivated when I know I'm- me too. We have a gym here now, which is amazing, but I need that group class every once in a while. So part of my new year's resolution is just to like go to a class at least like once a month, like just get out of the house and be with other people. Okay. Well, we last one. Yeah. I know. Let's go together. We'll go. I actually just did real Pilates for the first time on the reformer. And it was, it was good. It was more stretching though than hard where like, I think Legree is like just harder. I want to be sore. Like I want to feel it. Exactly. I'm like you, I want to shake at the seats, the bar method in us. It's like, I want to shake. I want to feel it. It has to burn like (laughs) all the things. Okay. Last question. Which friend's character are you most like? Oh, well, I'd like to say like, I'm, I would like to think I'm like Rachel, but I'm probably more like Courtney. <laughs> From Monica. Yeah. I mean, Monica. Yeah. 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 I don't, it's so funny. Cause that question was on there anyways. And then as I'm saying it, I'm like, well, obviously she's going to say Monica. Cause Monica was super into like organizing and having everything perfect. <laughs> like that was a silly question. I know I'm like you too. I, I feel like I'm a little bit of Rachel, but then a little bit of Monica, like I'm very type a, so it's hard to be like fully Rachel. It's not happening. You want to be, it's like our, our Enneagram is Monica, but like our, yeah. you know, wing is Rachel. You want to be free spirited like Rachel and Phoebe, but it's not happening. Yep. Yep. Oh my gosh. I love it. Well, this was so fun. Will you tell people, I guess, where could they find neat method and you and all the things? Yeah. Um, so our website is neatmethod.com, N-E-A-T method.com. Um, our Instagram handle is at neat method. Uh, you can find location pages for your local market. We have 100 plus locations across the U S and Canada. So there's a neat method nearest you most likely, unless you live in Hawaii and we'll fly out to you. (laughs) Ooh. Okay. That's good to know. Um, okay, good. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This was so fun. And I think you definitely motivated all of us to start organizing something today. Start small, tackle one thing, get a feel for it. And then the sky's the limit. I love or it. it. Then you can hire us. We'll do it. For yeah, you. right. Then we'll get overwhelmed and we will call you. <laughs> <Please>. <laughs> I love it. All right. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for having me. Bye.